Hello, everyone. We're back. Backstreet's back, all right? You guys know that song? Yep. Everybody. Hey, and not, not more than three seconds of it or I gotta pay him. All right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't clear that song. Wait, is that my undisclosed name here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. All right, but uh, it's me, Hunt, and we're back with another... Fantastic! Uh, it's all right. Episode of Tabletop Recap. We had a long hiatus, or since I had it, hiatus. Laugh, everybody laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. I do accept pity laughs. <laughs> uh, we got uh, G with us today. He's almost never here, so we're very happy to have him. Say hello. Hello. Not very enthusiastic, but I'll allow it. Oh, we got Susan. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's, way to date this. Yeah, it's the day after. But we did have a lot of crits today, like an insane amount. Yeah. Uh, that'll be in the next episode, though. Well, maybe next. One after next? We'll find out. Let's move on to Big Boy Chungus. Hello! All right. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> you gave me so much crap for my little one-liners at the beginning of each episode, I just gave up. Every you day cr- you make me sad. Gives you crap for every of your one-liners. Yeah, you're, no matter what you do, and you're going to get And you wonder why I don't laugh you're at your get jokes. It, you're going to get it good. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, we are finally back. We just, uh, it's just a busy season for us is all. You know, that's that's one reason I changed it from weekly to just whenever we feel like it, because it was getting so hard to do weekly. And I am an expert when it comes to getting soft. So let's go, and uh, today we're, damn it, today we're doing a, a review of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, which we played through, but we're going to talk about stuff that we maybe didn't do, maybe we did wrong. Big Boy Chungus is going to do most of the speaking uh, because he has that beautiful, beautiful baritone and also uh, the book. He has the Waterdeep book. So <laughs> and he was our, our DM. I played Mara, daughter of Steph Burr, a hot, hot, hot lizard fighter. Uh, G? Uh, I played uh, Terry, the Warforged Barbarian. Quote unquote Warforged. Quote unquote Warforged. He's just a robot, but yeah. Yeah, he's got a little dwarven soul in him. He's just a boy. <laughs> we'll get to that. He's a real boy. And uh, Suze? I play Vane, a uh, bard uh, high elf who is an heiress to the toilet industry. Or the uh, chamber pot, magical chamber pot industry. And very important question Is she thick? Yes. Very Fantastic. Curvy <laughs> as the day is long. And do you like that, Big Boy Chungus? Absolutely. Of course. No. <laughs> I didn't expect you to actually even answer the question, to be honest. <laughs> now, uh, I'm just, I just uh, I just agreed because I was reading. Oh, you didn't even hear? <laughs> no. Quick, ask me so <laughs> Well, we asked you if you liked how thick Vane is. Oh. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> Congratulations. You made me uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, and you were the DM, but we also had... Uh, Matthew, who played Vorn, the sneaky little drow boy. He was fun. That was good times. A lot yeah. of drama. Really magnificent. But you can listen to our uh, us talk about our entire campaign on this podcast. Several episodes dedicated to Waterdeep. And we are going to be starting Storm King's Thunder in the next two episodes. Should be the Storm King's Thunder one. But stick around towards the end of this one, because there was also kind of a little bonus session, which was just kind of like a, a fun encounter 
to bridge time. I, was that the day I had the migraine and didn't show up? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, we just, sorry. We, just, <laughs> we did a lot of session zero stuff for that and also just kind of played around with some of the mechanics that we hadn't used yet. How so dare you have horrible crippling pain? How dare I? I know, right? Always on the, like, the one day I get to come in like three months and then I get a migraine. <laughs> Awful. But yeah, so we'll talk about that at the end of this, uh, and but we'll, then we'll talk about that Session Zero stuff in the first episode of Storm King's Blunder. Alright, so I'm going to have Big Boy Chungus take it away with this very unstructured review. Alright, so are we just going over our stuff as characters in a party, or are we going over We're the, talking the about module? Like the module itself, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. If they want to hear the story, they can listen to the other episodes and get us ad revenue. <laughs> cool, okay, so I'll just, I'll just start at the beginning. Uh, essentially, Waterdeep is in the middle of a gang war. Um, there is a large horde of wealth... Uh, known as the Horde of Dragons that was left behind by the previous open lord of Waterdeep, Daggle Neverember. He was forced to flee the city when it found out that he had embezzled said money from the citizens and made his way to the city of Neverwinter, became the new uh, leader of the city, and while he is not facing any real criminal charges for his actions in Waterdeep, he is not welcome, nor is he in a position to reclaim said wealth, that he left in the city. Yeah, the rich never face criminal charges, even in <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> oh, trust me. The current open lord of Waterdeep, Lyle Silverhand, and all the nobles Who in that queen? city yeah. would love to see him strung oh, up God. for charges. At the very least, have him publicly flogged. Um, Just publicly flogged? That I don't know. Some people might enjoy being publicly flogged. <laughs> In fact, raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, so, so it's common knowledge that this wealth is in water deep, but the location of it and its exact uh, location are not. So what you is happening? You could say is, it's a water deep secret. <laughs> laugh. I didn't realize that was a joke. Ha-ha. Thank you for the genuine laugh, Susan. That makes me happy. I genuinely laugh at just about everything. So uh, that's wholesome. <laughs> the fact that there is. A literal fortune in wealth just sitting under Waterdeep somewhere in the city has everybody, both good side and bad of the law, looking for it. Of course, the citizens want it because that was money that was taken from their taxes sealed away. The nobles want it because they want to use it to go right back into the city's infrastructure and welfare. Uh, Adventurers would love to have it because... Finding the jackpot and motherload of all gold is what you adventure for. I love that you're explaining why people want money. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> I was just gonna no, let it finish. I'm not making fun of you. I just love that they're like you're giving reasons for why everybody wants money when everyone's like, yeah. They just I'm not sure if you money. all know this, but money can actually be used for goods Two, and services. Twenty dollars. <laughs> I wanted a peanut. You can get. You can use money to get peanuts. Explain how. Money can be traded for goods and services. I love when he talks to his brain. Hashtag Simpsons. Hashtag you can't click on a hashtag in an audio podcast. So, in addition to the legal uh, law-abiding citizens wanting this vast amount of wealth, there are also criminal organizations such as the Xanathar's Guild, the Zentarum, the uh, Bregan Derth, and even... A couple of unsavory, mustache-twirling nobles who wish the gold for their own personal gains. Spooky. In this caper, if you will. A heist, if you will. And that is where you guys started off in the adventure. So, just like any traditional adventure in Waterdeep, uh, it starts off in a tavern where people are going about their day-to-day business. 
and you guys um, come in as players trying to break up a bar fight, essentially. I wasn't there. I was too busy being drunk. Which, which, and season, which season did we play? We played autumn, right? Yes. You guys started at the beginning of fall, and we wound up finishing around the end of fall. So Waterdeep can be played as four different seasons, and each one has a different big bat, correct? Yes. Essentially, the way the book advises you to start is that you pick a season, fall, winter, summer, spring. Each season, the city changes according to the... The environment, like winter, is bitter cold, obviously, and with all the snow and ice, it makes it hard for you guys to move around the city. Mm-hmm. Spring and summer, you know, it's much warmer, much hotter, and because of that, it's it's more hustle and bustle to yeah. get from one place to another, uh, which can be good or bad depending on, you know, if you're a guy who just wants to go after the, the main objective or if you're a thief who wants to pickpocket everybody they see on the, on the street. <clears throat> get out of here. Shame. I could edit that out, and I'm not going to. Just to shame you, I'm not lazy. (laughs) I'm lazy. (laughs) So, uh, essentially, with each season comes a corresponding villain. And this is where spoilers start. So, if you haven't listened to our thing or played it or anything and you want to, this is the end for you. Rewind, play it, or listen to our thing, and then you can come back. All right. Now. So, in... uh, because of of the fall season, you the party starts off with the villain known as Jarlaxle Bane Ray or Bon Ray, depending on your pronunciation. And he's the sexy swashbuckling drown. Yes, he he's actually raise my, your hand if you waxed his chest. Um, I didn't. No, I meant like uh, when you were alone at the tub. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Anyways, what are the other seasons' villains? So in. Um, in summer, you have the Xanathar's Guild. In Big Eye Boy. Fall, I mentioned... No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm getting this mixed up. Uh, winter is the Zentarum. Okay. Fall is the Bregendareth with Jarlaxle Bon Ray. Mm-hmm. In spring, you have the Xanathar's Guild. And in summer, you have the group known as the Castellanters. I actually don't know a single thing about them. I don't either. Mm -hmm. You guys didn't really explore that aspect a whole lot. Um, There were opportunities for you to kind of make some connections, but out of all the villains and organizations in this, they were the ones that you interacted the least with. Oh, that probably was going to spin out of the thing we turned down, probably, right? Possibly. What was the thing? Was that when I wasn't there? That was when uh, Chip died, and we were like, we don't want to do this, man. Oh, yeah, We're in so many other groups, and this was a bad experience, so we don't want to... Yeah, the Dungs. No, that was with the Lord's Alliance, I thought. Oh, yeah, that was the Lord's Alliance. Yeah, you, but... You guys had an opportunity to come across the Castle Anchors had you either passed certain checks or explored certain rooms in the Growlhund Villa. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we didn't we didn't come across those bad lads. So, mm-hmm. kind of spoilers for our own story. You guys remember the, the newspaper piece Jarlaxle Bon Ray wanted to publish about... Yes. The devil worshiping nobles. Yeah, the one yeah, where yeah. where Born just uh, like walked in and pretended like he was there for a job interview. Were yeah. they were they actual devil worshippers? Yes. Ooh. Oh yeah, we didn't care. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually Jarlaxle is one of the most interesting villains out of the whole set. The Xanathar and Manshoon with the Zentarum are you know they're like the poster villains. Mm-hmm. I mean, Xanathar takes up the entire background of the book on the front cover. He's the one that nobody shuts up about online. And Manshoon literally takes front and center on the cover mm-hmm. as well. Um, Does he? 
Yep. Yeah, that's in the cover of the cloaked figure oh, with the bronze hand. The and is also the murderer of oh, okay. one Terry Eversharp's family. Yeah, murderer of one Terry Eversharp's family. <laughs> to him, it was the worst day of his life. But to Manchun, it was a Tuesday. Day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Little Street Fighter reference there. Um, but so Xanathar is the typical mustache-twirling villain. For those of you who don't know, Xanathar is... A beholder, naturally and paranoid. The goldfish, right? The goldfish does p- play a part, but I don't want to break down. Sub, you know, to to break down each individual villain, you could make an entire podcast. I just know, like, one. was it the Monster Manual or Xanathar's Guide to Everything has his goldfish? He's looking at his goldfish, and it's like, oh, here's this horrible thing, and he has his cute pet. Oh yes, yeah, Silgar, the goldfish. Okay. The, yes, that had you guys ever encountered him, you could have actually used that aspect to leverage him in certain situations. Could but have chugged to the fish, chug chug. Um, <laughs> then you have the Castellanters, who are a group of noble families, and they're probably the most tragic. I say with quotation marks in the module because they probably have the most personal reason to seek the treasure. And that is because they literally sold one of their children's souls to Asmodeus. Fun times. Yeah, so get this. Their whole rise to power came from when they sold the soul of their eldest child as an infant to Asmodeus. Not just a devil of Asmodeus, like to the god of demons himself, the the lord of the nine hells. To the head honcho. And, uh, but like with any good demon, he, he left an escape clause. Yeah. And if they could provide him with 400,000 gold pieces, because while devils do not like or have any particular use for gold, they know that other mortals love mm-hmm. gold. So they love tempting mortals with that, that silver and gold coinage. So that was the escape clause. If the Grauhan Villas could meet Asmodeus's price, he would sell them back their child's soul. And uh, they felt really bad about this because now they were nobles, but now they are, their, their son was going to live a life of damnation. Um, no they, one thinks they're going to actually love their first kid. That's why they always sell them sell their souls away to witches. And well, the thing is, they had two more kids after this as nobles. So they've got a daughter and a son. They live happy-go-lucky normal lives. And the funny thing was is that Little their son, know. their firstborn son, is still in their house. Huh? Huh? His, He's a millennial. His soul is in hell, but uh, his body is still alive. Ew. Oh, it's still alive. Okay. Oh, I kind <laughs> yeah, of like just or assumed something. he was walking around living his life. No, they have him like locked up in the attic like a horrible Gross. 18th century insane asylum patient. Oh, like in that Treehouse of Horror episode where they find out Bart's the evil twin. Something like that. Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Jarlaxle Bon Ray. Uh, for those of you who have read the, uh, what, what are those D&D books? The Drizzt series. The Drizzt series. Um, does anyone remember Drizzt. the author by that? Um, J- J- he did the Yosem Bon. Shout out to the author. We can't remember. He's been, but he's been doing the D&D novella series since like the 80s. So it's a long running series. Um, but Jarlaxle Bon Ray is a reoccurring anti-hero some part-time villain in that series Mm -hmm. so this was one way for them to work in the the literature into the 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 pre-written canon well i take that back the the novels themselves are canon that's why they reference them so often but it was just a nod to the book series and to kind of expand that overarching universe and 
He's probably the most interesting because he's the only one who is actually willing to work with the players. Granted, he's manipulating you guys kind of for his own personal gain, but his end goal is the least nefarious. He just wants to make the city that he is in charge of part of the Lord's Alliance. And it's just that because his town and city is pretty much infested by pirates, the Lord's Alliance refuses to acknowledge them or take them seriously. But if he blackmails them with 500,000 gold pieces that's rightfully theirs anyways, that might blackmail them or extort them into saying yes. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like when we faced him, he was very open and saying, hey, you guys can just join my crew right here and just take half or take 10% of the gold, right? Yeah. All right, Salvador. Yeah. Sorry, right. Salvador, yes. Okay. Salvador. Yeah, he, he, had, he had already made Vorn a member of his crew yeah. because he, he is from Drow society, although he left and rebelled against it because... Uh, he was he wanted to be his own man and run his own. But that's what Jorlaxel did too. So they're like kindred spirits, right? Yeah. So like that's why he shaved his head. Yeah. So that that's why Jorlaxel yeah. shaves his head. That's why he's bald because you know having long hair, having feminine features is a it's a way of showing homage to Lolth, the Drow god mm -hmm. or goddess, I should say. And by shaving his head, he denounced his culture, society, and religion. Uh, really big statement yeah. for a male draw to shave their hair. The way Vorn did that was he just clenched real hard and grew a beard. Yes! Oh my god. That's the other thing. Vorn has facial hair, despite the fact that elves were known for being, you know, fairly, you know, clean featured. Mm -hmm. But I'm letting him keep it because his character art looks so great. It looks really good, especially the big thing we commissioned, which is on the way. You'll be able to see it. You can see the progress on Patreon and stuff. This but, uh, is a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> the but cigar so, is the best. But so then you have Manshun, and this one was the most confusing because the Zentarum are essentially fractured in the story. You have the Black Network, which exists wow. everywhere <laughs> in Faerun. But then Manshun, who, for those of you who don't know, Manshun is one of the founding members of the Zentarum organization. But years, in, when I say years, I mean centuries ago, he tried cloning himself in an attempt to make himself immortal so that he would never die. But what he failed to do when his clones accidentally awoken early was condition them to be obedient to the original. Mm -hmm. So they just wound up having this massive wizard civil war with each other. Like Each clone fled the facility that they were made in, raised their own armies, and then fought against each other in a massive civil war called the Manchun Wars. Now... It was believed that all of the clones killed each other. Manchin was no more, with the exception that there may be one wandering around. In all reality, there's more than just the one. Wait, isn't that the plot for a Rick and Morty episode? I don't remember. But so... Oh, uh, yeah, they have the Citadel of Ricks. Well, not the... Like, even still, like, Rick makes clones of himself. Yeah. And, I like, don't they all just... Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All the different families are killing each other. Yeah, except, yeah, except like this was not... Yeah. Yeah. Like that, except this was not an interdimensional battle. And they all kissed at the end. Anyways, um, I didn't so know. so Manchun is he he is no longer associated with his own organization. He has been discredited and pretty much cast into the four winds because, in addition to having a failed attempt that plunged the world into civil war, he's also known to be bat crap crazy. So he wants the gold in Waterdeep to do several things, first and foremost of which is to bribe several masked lords, which he actually discovered the identities of, um, bribe them, blackmail, or extort them with the money in order to make himself the new open lord of Waterdeep, 
ousting Lyral, uh, most likely either discrediting her or killing her if the opportunity arose. Could he kill her? Because isn't she part of It's God? possible. Okay. It's yes, Lyral Silverhand is technically a demigod. Okay. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. But Manchun, after taking the open lord seat of Waterdeep, turning Waterdeep essentially into a Zentarum hub, then wanted to make himself one of the heads of the Black Network in mm-hmm. its entirety, essentially putting himself back as the leader of the Zentarum mm-hmm. organization. Wow. And so... That is essentially the goal for all of these organizations. Uh, oh, also, I forgot to mention, Xanathar wants the gold because money is wealth, wealth is power, and I'm a mustache-twirling psychopath. <laughs> There's literally... He is so, buy a lot of fish food. He is so <laughs> insane that in one of the quotes to Xanathar's Guide to Everything, he actually says, A lot of people say that I shouldn't kill people. I don't see why I shouldn't. I can do it very easily. He goes like, bam, bam, bam. And then he like disintegrates like three of his minions with, a, with his disintegration beam. Just because he can. Blammo. She will So, <laughs> alright, so kind of moving on, not tearing too long on the villains, the, the story opens up with what could very easily be its own one-off session. The party... I don't know that we need to walk through every story beat. <laughs> we won't. I'm, I'm not. Basically, the party breaks up a bar fight, which evolves into a fight against a troll, um, after vanquishing the troll with the help of the tavern barkeep, Durnan, the party impresses a local patron by the name of Bolo, who wants them to investigate a missing friend of his. Mm-hmm. Through some investigations and shenanigans, you meet several new friends along the way, including one Floon Blagmar and Raynar Neverember. Um, and stumble Raynar upon... Neverember is hot. <laughs> he embers all right. Those are some hot, hot embers. Two embers, specifically. Two big old dangly... Actually, we should continue. I thought his mini was so hot, I bought two. We'll just... <laughs> One didn't that, come in the, the mail. But for every, <laughs> for, for, every, for every friend you make in Waterdeep, you're bound to make enemies as well. As you stumble across a Xanathar Guild, one of many Xanathar Guild hideouts... Find the orc mage, whose name is so insignificant, I'm not going to bother repeating it. Because you don't remember? Exactly. <laughs> um, who was responsible for the attempted kidnap of Raynar Neverember and the definite kidnap of Flume Blagmar, who looks almost identical to Raynar. That's why um, he does me a favor. Torturing Flune at the feet of a mind flayer who works directly alongside Xanathar himself by the name of Nihilor. You guys at level one don't even bother messing with Nihilor. You just let him leave in disappointment. And you soundly beat his orc mage lackey, uh, rescuing Flume from the fate. And I as was a reward. Busy drunk. Y'all were there for that. I wasn't. And yeah. as a reward, Flune, not Flune, uh, Volo rewards you guys with your own property uh, in Troll Skull Alley of the city of Waterdeep, which you guys will later turn into uh, Spirit Squared, your own personal yeah. tavern. Yeah, but you don't, like, have to have a tavern to play the Waterdeep module. You could straight up turn it into a shop if you wanted to. The tavern or is just... you could just flip it. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. We just did the obvious thing because we aren't creative. Now, during the next chapter of the book, you Real guys... Estate, man. This, this section was really the opportunity for you guys just to kind of customize and flavor your local environment how you wanted. You guys could make a business or sell the business if you wanted to. Yes, boys. You got a bunch of uh, stuff... That you could go shopping with. Kissing you got to meet boys. a bunch of the 
other business owners in the area. Smooch boys. Whistleline Day told me the only thing worth living and dying for was land. And boys. <laughs> you guys. Just gotta... kidding. Men aren't worth anything. <laughs> you guys... Right, girlfriend? Right. <laughs> Not a dime. You guys also got exposed to the other guilds and did some side quests around the city for the the Grey Hands or Force Grey. These side quests were the, fun, too. The like har- genuinely fun side quests. The Harpers. And you guys even got an offer from the Lord's Alliance, which is actually a really big deal, as you guys were coming to find out in Storm King's Thunder. But <laughs> Which is the one we turned down. <laughs> you got... Well, so here's the thing. All of your factions are a big deal. But, like, in terms of the Lord's Alliance, like, I'll just go ahead and say this right now. With being in the Lord's Alliance, you guys would have access to personal meetings with Lyle Silverhand mm-hmm. when like once you reach a certain rank whenever you want. Woof. I feel like though we could always like say hey we're the heroes of Waterdeep can we like just send her a note and have her get back to us when she's able to. Yeah, yeah. but when she's able to might not be for like three ten days. Okay. With with the Lord's Alliance you would have her immediate attention depending on what your rank was and how serious the matter is. Alright. Um, but Harpers are a big deal. I would say that they are to the Lord's Alliance what the Zentarum is to the underworld of Faerun. Um, and then the Grey Hands, while their rank is, or their, sorry, their ranks are fewer in number, um, their reputation heavily precedes them throughout the entirety of the world. You might only ever encounter one Force Grey member to every ten Lord's Alliance member mm-hmm. you come across, but... A Force Grey member, their organization is such known for chaotic, good frontier justice that you just mention the Grey Hands, and they're either going to be your your worst nightmare or the the saving (laughs) grace to pull your your organization together. In fact, in Waterdeep, they actually say that the Grey Hands or Force Grey are... They have an astounding reputation for thwarting evil, but their pension for collateral damage is so great that the open lord typically doesn't get them involved unless it's absolutely necessary. Oh, that's why they're always pissy at each other. Okay. I didn't know why they had such beef. It also happens to be that... uh, so, so you guys want to know a really big secret as to yes. why there's more beef? As long as yes. it doesn't spoil Storm King's Thunder. I'm always the secret of why there's more beef. So here's the thing. Does it spoil Storm King's Thunder? No. Okay. Lyral Silverhand's first and only husband was Kelvin Blackstaff. The original Whoa. Blackstaff. <laughs> Kelvin Blackstaff is the founder of Force Grey. Uh-huh. He is the original Blackstaff guardian of Waterdeep. Um... And he broke her heart. When the when the leader of the Black Staff dies, with the their soul <laughs> is kept in the Black Staff that is transferred over to the next heir of the Black Staff moniker. Oh, Ooh. and Vajra, Vajra is technically uh, the, the great 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 granddaughter of Lyle Silverhand. Hmm. hmm. Like, we're talking four centuries of generations. Yeah. But, so, Lyle Silverhand, who absolutely loved her husband, has to sit here day in and day out watching her husband's position get paraded around by her umpteenth great-great-grandchild, who is only 30 years old, and she gets to dictate a huge portion of Waterdeep's power to her. Not Uh, to mention she covets her husband's soul, 
she would much rather be the black staff of Waterdeep than the open lord because mm-hmm. it would mean she would get to be closer to her husband and her husband's position. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of seems like a her thing. <laughs> it seems like maybe she should be proud of her great 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she should be proud. But is Vajra human or an elf? She is human. But only like she technically does have elf in her bloodlines, but it's so diluted through generations of other marriages. Let's not say diluted when talking about bloodlines. (laughs) Okay, look. Filthy half breed. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. So look, purely speaking with genetics, when you have an elf and a human, you get a half elf. Human and an orc, you get a half orc. If if you don't have Thanks to the Bards. Okay, go ahead. If you don't... So basically, after Lyral and Kelvin had their first set of children, and then those children continued to marry more humans, the more generations you have with just humans, the fewer elf traits you're going to have down the line. It's not a superiority matter. It's just... It's just how traits work in biology. Mm -hmm. So Vajra, according to her character block, she is human. Um, But she technically is related to Vajra... But only barely, like like not even enough that she really gets any of her magical or divine potency. It's really just technicality at this not point. Not to mention like that how I'm related to the Irish people in Ireland. Not basically. to mention <laughs> that because Lyral's mother was one of the previously killed mistresses. Yeah, there's been like five mistresses in water in Dungeons and Dragons lore. Mm-hmm. Because her original mother, the the previous god of magic, has been killed a lot of her divine essence has been greatly weakened. So at this point, she is still technically a demigod, but a lot of her divine power is waning. And so that's actually a secret that a lot of people aren't privy to. Like, one of the main reasons why Xanathar, mm-hmm. had you stuck with the Lord's Alliance and Xanathar was your main villain, if you brought Lyle Silverhand to the uh, the vault entrance... He would have folded like a house of cards. Really? He fears Lyra Silverhand that wow. much. But that's only because he does not realize that her power has waned. Mm. Huh. She kicked uh, him around like a soccer ball. <laughs> he would have straight up groveled. And uh, that's actually where her mini comes from. Where, Because see, normally Lyra is dressed in noble's clothing, very elegant. But in her actual mini, she straight up wears silver plate armor with a great sword. Ooh, yeah, that mini always pretty. confuses me because she has like weird blue skin on that mini, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, "Oh, is that supposed to be like silver skin?" But then I just remember she's just got so she's just a high purple skin. I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, remember. I don't know her skin color, but I know it's not that. But so uh, yeah, lots of lots of the bickering between the Black Staff or the Force Gray and the Lords Alliance goes way beyond just professionalism. Um, it's straight up a family struggle between a very old and very petty demigod and her descendant who she only sees as an upstart. Yeah. It's kind of like how my grandparents see my dad. Like, you're not as good as I am. (laughs) Yeah. You can never be as good as I am. That's what straight dads are like. But that being said, (laughs) Lyral has never allowed her, her... begrudgingness towards the black staff to hinder or hurt Waterdeep. Like, she she doesn't necessarily condone her Vajra being the black staff, but she respects that the people appointed her to this position 
the fact that her husband's soul is within the staff giving her advice is some consolation, even though she can't be as close to her husband as Vajra is. Didn't that dude choose to be that, though? Yes, he enchanted his staff to do that. He, you know, there there are Lord He had to be the one to do it, so she should be mad at him, really. She just (laughs) wants to hold the staff. My thing is, like, Oh, in the bathtub. My thing is, like, if... (laughs) So, Lyra is the elf, right? Which means her husband was human. Yes, although here's the funny thing about human wizards. Um, most wizards, and this includes other noteworthy people like Elminster and other, uh, Kelvin Blackstaff, other, uh, e- even um, evil Combo. wizards like uh, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage Dude. Mm-hmm. The Sad Sage. Um, they usually are able to learn life-extending magics. It is very common to find successful wizards who are pushing 300 and 400 years old. Merlin and, style. Yeah, and you like see this elf. and you see the yeah, same like thing happen Nicholas with Lamel. elves. Like for example, taking away her divinity, Lyle Silverhand is still a very competent elven spellcaster. Elves in this world typically only live 750 years. But when you compare that to how long humans can extend their lives, it is not surprising to find out that there are elves that are over 3,000 years old. So Magic can definitely extend. That's older than the milk in your fridge. <laughs> magic can extend the, the life of any person who fridge. becomes proficient in it. That's why you have, like, the Blackstaff was three hundred and seventy-five years old before he finally passed. Mm-hmm. Oh, impressive. Um, so, when she was much younger, uh, um, my mind just went totally blank. Um, Lyral had no problem you know, marrying him and having a family and whatnot. Smooching. Um, and it was obviously a very good family because she still feels dearly for him, even if it's just his soul and a stick. And that family's still going. That's all she needs is his soul and a stick. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> but, in, so here's... The, but see, here's where the tricky part comes with humans using life-extending magic. Magic will only extend your life so far. Death will come for you inevitably. And the one thing that magic cannot return you to life from is old age. So oftentimes what happens is if a wizard gets too old and they become cynical, uh, arrogant, and they just feel that they deserve to live longer than everybody else, they will eventually practice or seek out lichdom. In which case, basically, they sacrifice their own soul to create a phylactery while still maintaining their consciousness, their knowledge, and their, their being. And in order to continue this false sense of immortality, they will simply continue feeding other people's souls into their phylactery. Vecna and Aserarach are two examples of this. Vecna, I hardly know you. But kind of getting back into Waterdeep, um, you guys essentially did a really good job of setting up your tavern, Spirit Squares. You guys interacted with a lot of people, made a bunch of friends, along with some enemies, such as the were-rats of the Shard Shunner organization. Cheese it! <laughs> but eventually, but, but you guys still haven't really had any interactions with any of the villains. They're kind of still just in the foreground working on their own agendas. As far yeah, as we know. The story of this was a mystery. It was a big mystery story. And I think mysteries are where I shine the most as a player, honestly. Uh, and so I hope I did a really good handy. job of portraying it. I've never run a mystery before. No, you did a horrible job. No, of course you did a wonderful job. That's why we're still here, because we had a fun time. Yeah. I would have dropped you like a hat if you did one <laughs> thing wrong. <laughs> but so the thing that... I would never come back. So the, I would call your parents, and I would tell them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
So the thing uh, that, that really started to bring everything together was the fireball incident. Mm-hmm. This is where someone was responsible for blowing up half a city block just outside your guys' door. And lots of people are killed, but it also kickstarts the actual villain's motivation. Now, was it was this time. Pretty much. Now, now the, the, re- the cause of the explosion is all the same. Uh, essentially what happens is, is um, Daggle Neverember had an associate, uh, a gnome, who was sent into the city with the key to the Vault of Dragons. And his goal was to either get the key to Raynar as a last-ditch effort, or to get the key to one of his associates that would safely get the gold back to Neverember for him. Because one of the things that you guys don't know right at this time but we'll learn later on in Storm King's Thunder. One of Glennon's backup characters is actually from Neverwinter. Neverwinter is still rebuilding itself after a massive calamity. It mm-hmm. is a city on the mend. And Daggle wants to use that money to, one, further his own personal political goals, but also to rebuild the city in his own image. Yeah, I think that's where my uh, Icewind Dale character is from, right? It is. Now, um... So, but, but Daggle can't do this easily. He has to get someone, and he does have a few associates in the city. Uh, his son is not his first choice because he and his son left off on really bad terms. Not kissing terms. Renar would definitely rather use the key to see it go back to the people of Waterdeep than further any of his father's political goals. And that's why he's my boyfriend. But <laughs> blood is still thicker than water, so... be a poor boyfriend. Um, You're going to have more money than he does. Yeah, right, like I never date a poor. <laughs> blood is thicker than water, so there was some pull that Dagon could use with Raynar, even indirectly. However... The stone gets taken from this gnome associate by the Xanathar Guild. And essentially what happens is is the Xanathar Guild um, keeps the stone and using this new influence, you know, Xanathar being Xanathar is like, oh, I've got all this power, all this stuff in the palm of my hands. I can manipulate, do whatever I want. In the what? He doesn't actually have hands. Right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> in the eyeballs. palm of my globe. So he, he is going to try and use the, the power that this key would have sway over to try and mold the city to his liking. So he actually does something that's very uncommon for him, and he, he calls a meeting to try and form an alliance between him and members of the Black Network. Now, when I say the Black Network of the Zentarum, I'm not talking about Manshun. I'm talking about the Doom Raiders, who you guys met later yeah, on in the chapter. Yeah, did meet the Doom Raiders. These are the guys who are the current face of the Zentarum in Waterdeep. They're not... They're evil, but they're lawful evil. They they run the, the city's seedy underbelly without being seen, while still holding some semblance of uh, legitimate business on the surface. Um, but so Xanathar calls them, not personally, but their associates, to meet with him. And while this meeting is going on, the gnome manages to sneak his way back into the Xanathar's guild, steals the stone back while the meeting is going on, and then Ooh. vanishes. Someone so when has the, stones, so dude. When, so when the uh, Zentarum asks for evidence of this key to the Horde of Dragons, Xanathar acts all cocky, opens up his safe, the stone's not there. He kills everybody. He spazzes out. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. He, he freaks out. 
He freaks out, and I-beams start going everywhere. He disintegrates some people. Some of them are Zentarum. Some of them are his own men. It looks like a, a disco party of death, essentially. Mm. But the stone has been stolen. Ruh-roh. Hellraiser 3. And so at this point, this is where the fireball comes into place. This is where the fireball comes into place. Um, the, the gnome who stole the stole back the stone um, is trying to get to Raynar because all of his other contacts for Daggle have failed him. Either they're not in a position where they can talk or they've just straight up turned their back because of how hot Daggle never ever left the city when he fled. So Raynar's his only option. And just as he is getting to Spirit Square, because he can't find Renar, mm-hmm. but he knows that Renar just made some new friends and they haven't left their building in like a 10-day. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to try and give you guys the stone to give to Raynar with a message. Oh, but before he can so even easy. cross the street, he is ambushed by three Zentarum thugs, mm-hmm. one of which includes... Um, Oh, what was his name? Erstel Floxen, the very okay. pudgy assassin who you guys met later on at the Grauhund Villa. Okay. Um, but while this is going on, the Zentarum were not responsible for the explosion. Instead, a Nimblerite, mm-hmm. who was given a necklace of fireballs magic item, intervenes between the fight between the Zentarum and the gnome spy... And casts Fireball at the highest level among them that he's able to with this magic item. And so essentially nukes the area. Mm-hmm. Your party comes across the remains. Um, comes across as if it didn't happen next door. <laughs> um, they were like, aren't we just chilling in our pub? And then there's like, boom. And so and so the this is where things start to get a little complicated. Erstel, so all of the Zentara members except Erstel... And the gnome of Daggle Neverember perish in the fire. Mm-hmm. Erstel, just like the Nimblerite, was working with the Growlhuns. And what was supposed to happen was the Growlhuns sent Erstel because they had already had a prior arrangement with the Z- Zentarum. But depending on who the villain is, they always double cross Erstel to support the main villain that they're aided with. So the whole reason oh. why they sent the Nimble Rite was to one, keep the Zentarum thinking that they were still on their side, while removing any loose ends to continue their plan with the big bad guy. Nice. Okay. Um, and that was the mystery that you guys had to unsolve. Mm. Who was the person who cast the fireball? Why is the Zentarum involved? Where's the stone? When will Raynar propose? <laughs> it's only been six months. You're already living together. Chill out. Fine. You're so, just going to be shacking up. Don't you know if you give him what he wants, then he will never give you a ring. Christ. Just <laughs> listen to Dr. Lore on Sirius Hexen. I don't want to listen to anyone on Mirror's Sirius Hexen. Mirror's not the person to settle down. Now, just I to, can't be on Sirius XM. Nobody can. I won't go into all the details of the mystery, but what did you guys think of having to track down the nimble right? Having to go quarter to quarter in the city with the little device. <coughs> with I actually the, the think odd. I was out that day. We're, I you think may you have were been. out that day. Because um, you guys fought him without we me. Had it, yeah. We had it... Um, a couple days, but when we found him, you weren't there. Yeah, I think. Because I was, I was there the when we got the device, but not after. Wasn't that the day that we also messed around with the dragon in the harbor? Yeah, because yeah. every yeah. time I'm gone and you play with these characters, you go underwater and screw something up. <laughs> Which you'll find out soon when we recap the little bonus <laughs> encounter. 
But Which I only know everything about, so I'm going to be experiencing that with Yell. So, but so kind of trimming the fat on the story beats. Essentially, you you go to the House of Inspired Hand. You get a device that allows you to track nimble rights. There's a bit of a red herring with uh, a scantily clad, swashbuckling man in the harbor who turns out to be Jarloxel Bonray in disguise. You guys not realizing? Oh yeah, that was when I wanted to wax his chest because he's like displaying his chest hair. And I mean, it's I know it's his shit, but it's just kind of like, dude, you have company, put a shirt on, or don't. <laughs> um. So. Or put less on. <laughs> eventually, you guys find the location of the actual nimble right through your investigation, uh-huh. and on it is a piece of evidence that directs you to the Growlhund Villa, uh, along with um, uh, a clue as to where the stone might be. Now, I kind of missed some story beats here. I really kind of botched the order. You were supposed to go to the Growlhund Villa first and then find the nimble right, but I always just... I just put the two together because they're so back-to-back. Mm-hmm. But essentially, once you get to the Growlhund Villa, the Growlhund's motivation for their betrayal of Erstel Floxen kicks in. It's like, for example, um, if Xanathar is the main villain... Uh, and by the way, y'all called it the matriarch of the family is the one who runs everything. The yeah. husband's just a yeah, front. It was super clear. He's a <laughs> um, trash. So Yala, Yala Growlhund, she's the matriarch, has cut a deal with Xanathar to give him the stone in exchange for giving her, uh, by having him create a vacancy on the mm-hmm. uh, council of masked lords, yeah. thus allowing her to fill the void. Basically, she was going to put a hit out on some hidden lords. Mm-hmm. If the Castellanters were the main villain, Yala is actually a member of their Asmodeus-worshipping cult and intends to give the Stone of Galore to them as a demonstration of her fealty and friendship. Mm-hmm. Jarlaxel, as you saw, who was the main villain, actually is having a love affair with her without her husband's knowledge Ooh, and has promised to facilitate her rise in power after he uses the lost dragon hordes to buy Luskin's way into the Lord's Alliance. Okay, so I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. He told you guys that. I, I don't, don't remember, remember that. That was in his monologue. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> You guys just must have just really wanted to fight him. I mean, I remember the monologue Susan, do being. That? I do not remember that at all. I, I you would I, remember. I would have remembered. Susan that. would remember. That. I remember the monologue being closer to like, oh, I intend to just use it to buy my position as in Luskin. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever remember. And like that's him what I remember saying him saying he was having, having an affair with love the affair. with the, the Grauhans. <laughs> And then finally, Manshoon, if he is the main villain, he has promised not to kill Yala's entire family if she is allowed, or if he lets him use her villa to be a staging area for secret plots. Plot twist, Ursul is not part of the Zentara Black Network that the Doom Raiders are a part of. He is, in fact, one of the hands of Manshoon. Dun, dun, dun! Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, believing that Erstel Floxen is after the gold for himself, Yala plans to cut Erstel out of the deal and deliver of the Stone of Galore to Manshun herself. That's why, uh, if you'll remember, in the, uh, when, you, when you went into Erstel's holding area, he had a teleportation circle inscribed on his floor along with a bunch of Zentarum flying snakes. Yeah. That... Teleportation circle goes directly to Manchun's hideout. Oh. oh. You were so close to meeting the man who killed your parents. So close. So Christ. Close. Um, but so those were the motivations for the Growl Huns. Um, 
And you guys want to know how close you were to discovering that the Grauhans were actually devil-worshipping nobles? I mean, we did, like, break into that. We're, we went into that room where you had all the snake things and the pentagram on the floor or whatever. So we kind of figured Well, it wasn't a pent... So, so... Well, not we, a pentagram, whatever the... Dry, it's a teleportation circle. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I, that's probably my fault I didn't clarify. Um, devil magic and arcane magic... To someone who, in this world, is not trained... You know, magic's magic! Ooh! Yeah. But devil magic is very sanguineous, mm -hmm. red in color. You know, ooh, devil worshipping, yeah. blah, 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 Satan's bad. Um, whereas arcane magic is kind of more rainbow. Wait, Satan's bad? No, he's Why'd you say that? It's like sarcastic. <laughs> Back in the 80s, they had the... the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The D&D... Yeah. The, the satanic, satanic panic. panic. Yeah, the satanic panic. Satanic panic. panic. So now every time we I, I every ironically time. said it like we were possessed just now. <laughs> um, but so, uh, but arcane magic is a little bit more colorful. It's more natural than demonic forces. So um, I, I think they even let a few of you guys do arcana checks, and you learned that it was a transportation or a, uh, a teleportation. Yeah, circle. I think so. I don't remember that. But, but if you actually did go through and dig through her. Uh, one of her wardrobes, there is actually a secret compartment that you could have discovered quite easily uh, and found uh, Asmodeus robes. cultist robes. Huh. Yeah, the only robes. problem with that is is that if you searched and didn't find them, she could charge you with uh, attempted theft of a noble's personal property, and some of y'all would have had to draw up new characters right then and there. Yeah, I Dang. don't think we really had time to do that because it was there was a lot of... like We wouldn't have been having that argument with her and then started digging <laughs> through her... There, there were so many opportunities for you guys to get dirt on these people, but I think you played your cards to the best of your ability because, uh, like I said, there was so much stuff in this house that you didn't take advantage of. But I will be totally honest. The more you horse. dig and the more like you desecrate this place with or without their knowledge, the higher chance of you guys getting in trouble with the code legal. Because these guys are nobles. There yeah. is no... Countersuit. Like, like they, we, we arrest her, or we, they arrest her for... Uh, doing sketchy stuff, and then she says, "Well, these guys poked around my house, and then we got get sent to prison too." Yeah. You guys saw how well she framed her husband and basically oh, yeah. got off scot free from yeah. the authorities. Just threw that guy under the bus. Um, you guys would have had to play it so close to the chest and have been so lucky to find evidence of there being actual devil worship. And if you failed at any point, you would have immediately been so much at a disadvantage that you would be looking at years of jail time. Yeah. If you weren't just outright executed. Even me with my fancy noble nobleness, it'd still be like, "Hey, you stop that." One no, of the um, one of the D and D circles that I watch on YouTube, they actually back when they were playing this module, their rogue uh, actually got confrontational with Lady mm -hmm. Grauhund and actually wound up getting in a fight with her, and he had to draw up a new character because his character was sentenced to be executed. Wow. Right. <laughs> Uh, but, so, you, you eventually learn that the Grauhuns do not have the stone, but in fact they, they were responsible for sending out the Nimble Rite. Now, whether you can prove that or not to get them convicted, that's depending on how much you dig. But you guys did learn enough that the Nimble Rites were from there, and that it was actually her husband who was framed and set up to do all that shenanigans. Uh -huh. um, now, after you guys... He knew what he was getting into when he married her. Actually, there was uh, one thing he wanted to get into, and that was it. There's at least three counts that says he did. 
wonk. <laughs> now, you guys in Sex. so in your um let me see. After you guys found the Nimorite and got the clue, you guys were you all have heard the story beats of how you went along the hunt for the stone with Jarlaxle as the villain. The there's a lot of information about the different villains. Like each villain has like their own set story path that goes off in a vastly different direction. But essentially, there's. But they all end up at the vault, right? Yes, they all end up at the That's vault. That's what matters. They all end up at the vault. Um. Now, depending on who your alliances are made with, like what factions you've aligned with, what friends you've made, and does that change who shows up to help you when you're getting yes, your butt kicked? Yes, it does kicked, actually. Because we were getting our butt kicked. <laughs> yes, it does actually. And if you'll give me just yeah, a moment. Yeah, I figured it did because earlier you said Silverhand could show up, and I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yes. we got Harper's because you know, I have a sexy lizard butt. Right, so, G? No. <laughs> no. Every no. time I start seeing you about your lizard hips, the, everyone else just like stops giving me money. Lizard hips? So uh, <laughs> when, when you leave the vault, uh, the following villains will confront you. If the Xanathar's Guild is the main villain... One of his lieutenants, along with six bugbears and a gazer, confront you. Uh, and this, these, these guys are not easy. Like, you guys have mostly been fighting thugs and whatnot. Thugs. But bugbears are, they're like the regular enforcers for Xanathar's Guild. They mm. are very much into being a murder hobo. They mm. have special skills that allow them to fight dirty and have the advantage if the party is unprepared. But do they have guns? Why can't they all be like the gardening one from Sunless Citadel? <laughs> um, I think the fact that there's so many of them means, like, it's, it's to make up for the fact that they don't have guns. Yeah, no, I, I got that. I was <laughs> and just being bang, ridiculous. Bang. If, if the Castellanters are the villains, they actually send a series of cult fanatics and cultists along with a doppelganger servant. Ooh. Who you guys actually interviewed... But thankfully, you didn't mention anything about the stone to... You sussed him out as being one of the ones that was distrustful. Oh, yeah. Ooh. We sussed that bus. But had you mentioned anything in front of him about the stone or using him as a key, uh, that would have gone right back to the Castle Lanterns. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh, Not kosher. It's a good thing I kept my mouth shut that day. Yeah, because you never, <laughs> ever do. <laughs> I remember walking into that courthouse and you were like, we're secret super agent Harper's. Like, just well, might as well have shouted at I was well, not so, paying so, attention well enough to realize so that we were super secret Harper's. I was just like, so that oh, actually it was leads, just another version of the police. That actually leads me to another point. Funny thing, the Harper's, even though they are a secret organization, nobles and other people of note will actually parade themselves with like Harper symbols and logos because they're such a well-known and positive force. See, I'm not a total idiot. And so... <laughs> I didn't think you were. So, like, <laughs> nobles will actually wear Harper symbols, like, to show their support, even though they're not actual members. That's why, when in Storm King's Thunder, you got an alternative identifying mark that's a lot more secretive than a mark, because the symbol is flaunted around so publicly, and people make statements that they're, oh, I support the Harpers, the Harpers are the good of the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that then I no flash one my takes, and it's a dick butt. No one... <laughs> No one takes public outcries and public uses of the symbol seriously. Even other Harpers will not acknowledge the symbol itself as proof of membership. And they'll ignore you. 
Okay. You get it done in a certain way, your scales, so it makes like some obscene. Um, they just pluck scales in the shape. Also, I should, <laughs> I should, I should note Mert, who is the head of the Waterdeep uh, Harper's Guild. There is a ninety percent chance that if you ever go to his house at any given time, he will not be there. He went once, didn't he? Yes, and you rolled a ninety-one percentile check, which you happened to catch him when he was home. It wasn't he also like didn't he just shower or something? He was. Oh yeah. He was in Rome. <laughs> when did we yeah. go to his house? I remember going to his house. To, we went to Renard's house. Uh, yeah, we did. Went we get a Renard. We, we went to. We, house. I went to Renard's house multiple times. <laughs> now the. You spent the whole winter at Renard's house. Jarlaxle is the only villain in this in the story who will confront you guys at the gate personally. He shows up as it was played out with himself and his three most trusted lieutenants. Uh, Krabig uh, Maskilier, Solern Zabrindus, and Felrecht Lafine. Funny enough, Krabig's brother, who is also, he's so they're all drow. Yeah. He's actually in the Xanathar's Guild and became a traitor to the Bregendareth organization. There's actually a side mission, if Vorn ever got around to it, where he was going to be sent into the Xanathar's Guild hideout to assassinate his own brother. Uh. Oh. Whack. But he only got to, like, <laughs> renown three, playing double agent between the Zentarum and Bregendareth, so it never evolved beyond that. So he point. mostly would have only got that if he fully betrayed us. Yes. <laughs> That's not kosher. <laughs> Now, uh, and then finally, if Manshun is the main villain, he sends his simulacrum, the one that everyone saw executed at the very end during the epilogue. Yeah. Oh, the Horcrux. Yes. Okay. Now, simulacrums, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> essentially, it is a fraction of a wizard's power. Yeah, Horcrux. Yeah, we know. They, uh, now, now, they're not a part of their soul, because once they're killed, that power returns and manifests back into the person as they are. The more simulacrums a person has, the weaker they get, like the original person does, but it doesn't affect their lifespan. Okay. Um, that being said, simulacrums, being exact magical copies of their predecessors, really don't like having to throw their lives away if they can help it. Mm-hmm. They yeah, know what they are, but that doesn't mean they like it. Um, but he'll show up with a bunch of Zentarum thugs to also ambush you. Now, those were the villains. Here are the potential members of help that you could get. Um, if Jarlaxle had, if for whatever reason Jarlaxle had to be replaced as the main villain, like the Castellanters or um, Xanathar, yeah. Jarlaxle could have actually showed up as a potential ally with the Bregendareth if really? Vorn went down mm-hmm. that road. Yeah. That's he interesting. Has, he's the only villain that also has the chance of showing up as an ally. And. Yeah. That kind of um, makes sense a little it bit. It does. Yeah. Like he's pretty good. was <laughs> like, I'm not doing this for the sake but, of hurting people. I'm doing this to further my own goals. But the only problem is that if Jarlaxle shows up to help you, he will take the gold away from you guys after the fight. Yeah. He, will, he would have taken advantage of you in your weakened condition after fighting whoever else. Uh, the same thing yeah. would have happened if... So, um... One of the other potential helpers, the Doom Raiders, uh, since Vorn seems to have become more committed to the Zentarum Black Network, um, a group of the Doom Raiders would have showed up, like Schemo. No, or, Schemo. Um, <laughs> Kelso, Schemo. I forgot. Elfo. Schemo. 
I mean, um, like, yeah, he they could have taken advantage of us, but they'd still have to deal with the golden dragon that was down um, there. The kissable mister. <laughs> but so here's the funny thing. If Manshoon was the main villain and the Doom Raiders were the one to show up for aid, Schema Weird Bottle was actually a double agent. <laughs> His last name is Weird And he would have... He would have joined Manchun's side. Schemo's the leader, isn't he? No, you're. Uh, Davil Starsung is the leader. He's the guy who gave you the drugs for that drug deal. Yeah, yeah. But he's an alchemist artificer. Oh. So he had a bunch of stuff that he just whipped out, and you you guys would not have had a big time with that one. But that's like a really niche outcome. You also have the Harpers, which who was who showed up for you guys. Mm. Mert himself appeared along with two other swashbucklers, and it specifically says. That if Raynor is not present in the encounter, replace one of the swashbucklers with him. Oh, okay. Well, we brought Raynor because he wanted to kiss my big lizard lips. Yes, and because of how much you had with <laughs> the Harpers and because of your connection to Raynor, I, I weighed the options and I thought, okay, it's either going to be these guys or the Greyhands. And you'll learn in a moment that why I sense. didn't go with the Greyhands because while you guys were doing a ton of missions for them, you weren't really establishing any connections within their lower ranks. Oh, yeah, like emotional, like in professional connections. Yes, you were constantly making connections with Raynar and the other Harpers, That's even true. though you guys weren't members. I mean, the only other person within the Grey Hands that we actually had any sort of cooperation with was Hlom. And it was Hlom little, didn't even like us. <laughs> yeah, Hlom we met on a mountainside, and then he saved us from a giant shark. He's, he's like, you actually, are a dumb, and you are a bad. He's actually the leader of the Order of the Gauntlet, and I'll get to him in a minute. Oh, Hlom is? Yes. Yeah, I thought he was like a member of the Greyhands. He is, he's the leader of the Zealotus branch of uh, Waterdeep's defenders. Oh, so then yeah, we didn't associate with the Greyhands other than These are the guys oh, who, yeah. they, absolute, they, they serve Tyr and... All of the gods of justice that are good aligned in Waterdeep, they absolutely hate all forms of undead, even good undead, and they only tolerate your business having a poltergeist on staff. <laughs> oh. The only reason they're not kicking your door down is because a lot of other factions have sway, and they're like, hey, chill out. We're not, we're not going to see any uh, Order of the Gauntlet members in our bar, though, are we? You have not, and you probably won't. I don't know. Right. They seem they seem like they're real clenched shut, if you know what I'm saying. So. I don't think my estate would want to be a part of that. Now, one of, one of the organizations <laughs> yeah. that... My estate's kind of a little jerk. Actually, one... he loosened up a lot, actually. <laughs> you my never stand, got to know his backstory. My estate had great character progression. <laughs> one of the organizations that you guys never really interacted with, but you guys are going to see more of in Storm King's Thunder, is the Emerald Enclave. Yeah, we're headed to them right now. Now... Lyle Silverhand is not the only demigod in Waterdeep. <gasps> Excuse me? The, <laughs> Excuse the leader. Two seems like a high population, to be honest. <laughs> Unless we're talking Greek gods. you got to remember, <laughs> there have been five gods of magic in the last 300 years. Thanks for whispering that away from the mic. There have been three, <laughs> five gods of magic in the last 300 years in this world. There are going to be a lot of demigod children. Wow, a whole three, five. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. <laughs> but so the, the Emerald Enclave leader, who is also a demigod, but for not the same god as Lyle Silverhand, yeah. uh, Jareth Falcon uh, sends a whole bunch of rat swarms to help you guys out. Jareth sounds Gross. like a surfer guy who's rich, but nobody can tell because he's real grungy. <laughs> Am, am I wrong? You're not wrong. <laughs> but so, yeah, so because of his aid, he basically just summons a whole bunch of rat swarms to antagonize your enemies for you. Oh, does he have a, a seven-foot frame, rats along the back? I have no idea. When he calls your name, does it all fade to black, actually? I don't know. 
Okay, so he has this reference is going over my head. <laughs> now, force, force gray. It's excellent. <laughs> um, here's the thing, and this is why you guys really didn't receive any support. They send Maloon War Dragon to aid you guys. Oh no! As oh. a one-man army. Oh. But here's the thing. Prior to the tournament that you guys interacted with him with, he had already had his mind taken over by an intellect devourer and was a secret Xanathar's Guild double agent yes. against Ooh. his will. Right. And so if that. Xanathar was the main bad guy and he shows up as your aide, he double crosses you and murders you. No. Ooh. There's so many different outcomes of this yeah. large one. I think, I think that's we could really play, too exciting. I think we could play it again and not play it the same way. And by the way, Maloon War Dragon. Um, he's not an, like when he was going up against the guys in the tournament he was supposed to look a lot tougher and the thing about it is that because of the intellect devourer the axe which is a sentient magical item is yep. actively resisting him I yeah, yeah. But, remember that. but when Meloon is like at his full strength and when he is in sync with the axe he's like a challenge rating 9 fighter wow. oh. like he's as tough maybe not quite as tough but still close to being as tough as Durnan hence the whole like the, the uh, what was it? The uh, <coughs> knights or the what was Lyra's guild? Oh, uh, Lords Alliance. The Lords Alliance may be like many, but the gray hands are stronger in one on one. She actually provides the most support if you were to make yourself members of the Lords Alliance and find the vault. She accompanies you personally God. to the location of the vault, wow. along with Jalister Silvermane, who was the guy who tried to recruit you in the first place, right. and six city guard veterans. God, do you even have to go at that point? Do you? <laughs> yeah. At this no, point, you don't. I mean, at this point, you take the stone. You go. No, there is actually an option in the story where if you get the stone, you could have reported it to Lyle herself. You guys were bamboozled, by the way, so you didn't know who to trust. We did not know who to trust. We yeah. were bamboozled. We were bambooed, uh, and we resolved. But, so, you guys could have taken it to Lyral directly. It would have been tougher because you were not members of the Lord's Alliance, but still, an audience was not impossible. Given her the stone, and the story would have ended right there. Wow. I would have done a lot of dice rolling off the side to see who would have gotten... But then you wouldn't have got rich. No, you would... You guys might have gotten some reward, but I it would not be have been. Rich. It would not have been fifty thousand gold pieces worth of the wealth. There's it would have no been like a thousand gold pieces that your laxal from. I'm gonna be a millionaires. Um, had you been members of the Order of the Gauntlet, got enough uh, influence, and requested their aid. Hlam and only Hlam would have showed up. That also would have been enough. Yeah, that's. <laughs> that I saw that man one shot a giant shark. I don't think we needed anything else. What it's is like it? Master of Disguise. I slapped it. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to let you read it, but I'm going to let you guys look at Hlam's stat block real quick, and then I'll talk about the last uh, potential you're not, you're not Turns out us, he's a raid boss, challenge like, level 30. This is him us, on the oh, right. That's like a whole page. Oh, <laughs> wow. yeah. Yeah. He is. A, he does not. He did not look that happy when he was described no. to us, right? He's very happy looking in the book. Like, well, I know this is an audio podcast. You guys also interrupted you, you him while he was in a meditative state. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he did have to slap a shark. We did make. Yeah. He has a sixty-foot <laughs> movement speed oh before God. taking the dash action. He was yeah. actually pretty friendly he at is the festival. A He's he a challenge rating 16 monk. He would have beat our butts if the yeah. festival wouldn't have been canceled. Because <laughs> like he was, he was he the final champion like, that we had to fight. Just stand there and be like, just like this, and then we all would have just dissipated. I forfeit. Queefed. 
and then we would have died. So like, <laughs> we would have splattered against the wall. It's like, you will share first place. Whoa, whoa, who we'd have to fight? Him. Oh, we're fine. Yeah, no, yeah, we're okay yeah, with that. That's that's that. that's fine. We're cool with that. That's ace, that's yellow. Um, so then finally, uh, the Doom Raiders could potentially show up. Like I said earlier, if Manchun was the main villain, there was a chance of some of the Doom Raiders turning double agent and betraying everybody. And also, if Manchun wasn't the villain and the Doom Raiders were still called, if any of the players in the party were Zentarum agents, like Vorn, um, they would have split the treasure evenly with you guys. But if you were adamant, adamantly opposed to them, they would have then killed you to take the treasure for themselves. Mm. Mm. Whack. But we do get the treasure, and we did get rewarded. And it was a very happy ending for everybody. We got the good yeah. ending. You guys got the best possible ending. There is an ending where you get into the vault, you either die to traps or you die to the gold dragon. We did the very vault well. is sealed, and then your bodies are just never found ever again. Wow. Fun times. Yeah. And no one is ever going to find you because when you lock the key in the safe, it's kind of hard to get you out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's pretty cool. And I do want to talk about like gameplay specifically and stuff. Okay. I think... It progresses level to level, like, very smoothly, I feel Yeah, it did. I feel like we rarely had any real trouble. Maybe, like, twice? I mean, I... Terry didn't really find a lot of trouble in combat until the very end when we had to fight Jarlaxle, and then Terry basically got his butt handed to him. I remember the Puppet Man was difficult, but we were down a person. I was gone. The Puppet Man was just... The Puppet Man was, yeah, was, I was gone. Oh, tedious yeah. just because I couldn't get a lot of the hits in. Yeah, I couldn't get hits in it even though I was, at that point, I was dual wielding rapiers because we didn't realize I couldn't dual wield rapiers. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I care. was still, cool. even though I'm proficient in them, I was still couldn't land a hit on him because he had like a finesse thing where he could dodge so or what was it? In, like I'll go ahead and we, we can talk about this now. We can just talk about some of the enemies you guys fought. Nimble Rites, uh, they're not super high in terms of challenge rating, but their challenge rating is still uh, pretty significant. Uh, essentially, they are uh, challenge rating four fighting constructs mm-hmm. or fighter constructs. Uh-huh. They have 60-foot movement speed. Like, they're as fast as Hlom on any given day. They have really high dexterity and constitution uh, because they're basically just lighter versions of Terry. They have magical resistance, their weapons are considered magical, and they are sure-footed, meaning that any strength or dexterity saving throw made against them to be knocked prone, they have advantage on. Um, They can make three weapon attacks with their rapier and daggers respectively, and they have the parry ability, which means if they're fighting a foe head-on, one-on-one, and it's a melee brawl, Mm -hmm. they immediately get two to their AC, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. So even though their armor class naturally is 18, whoever's fighting them head-on has to deal with a level 20 AC. What wow. your AC right now is right now it's, with it's, magical leather armor. Yeah, and, and with my shield on it. And like that's, I think that's kind of like what bothered me. Cause like I was tanking most of the hits, but I was also dealing a, a, a deep amount of damage. <laughs> also, and then um, what pissed me off the most about that fight was just because Vorin took three turns... Sneak around, get up on the roof, and then deal the final blow before I had a chance to kill him. Like, really? 
I did all that, and I don't get to kill it? He sounds like he did a lot of work to me. I wasn't there, obviously. I, I think it was funny because you initially thought that he was running away. I did. Being, that does seem like a and that, that played would be into, played off like comedically in a TV show or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then that also played so beautifully well into the whole discovery of the betrayal, or potential betrayal. Yeah. But so then, um, what else? Um, Layers. There's, of course, Nihilor. You guys were not prepared at level one or even level three to go up against a mind flayer. And even though we just kind of vaguely brushed past his fight as level five characters, um, he still would have given you guys a run for your money. Um, but do you guys want to know what Jarlaxle had on him that sure. you could have had access to? Sure. Yeah, I think you told us before, but do give it to us again, yeah. Okay, so uh, essentially... Jarlaxel has a mess of magical items. That's one of the reasons that he's such a threat as a fighter. But also, these are magical items that are canon and in use in the R.A. Salvatore books. Mm -hmm. The first of which is a the, the Magicals Rapier, which you have, no, uh, which Vorn has, it. and his magical leather armor, which Vane has. Which I have. He has the Hat just of Disguise. stripped him naked in the vault. Wax that chest. <laughs> He, uh, the, the Hat of Disguise, which, um, Terry now has. Yep. What did Mira get from him again? I got the sticky wand. The Wand of Web, <laughs> yes, which is uh, a remnant of his drow days. I uh, haven't used it, but when I, when I do use it, I'm just going to use, uh, I'm, huh, huh, I got it. It's, uh, huh? essentially the, the Wand of Web, just like Spider-Man's webbing, is a great tool for stopping chases and catching people that are fleeing without dealing any real damage to them. You should have used that on my yeah. horse today. I, uh, I already have all the lines ready for when I use it. Remember when he's trying to figure out his webs in the first yeah. movie? Fly yeah. web! Up and away web! So every time I use it, I'm going to do that. Um, Shazam! He also... Go web, go! Let's see. Bada bing, bada he has, uh, I don't know if he said that, but I should. Yeah. Now, this is one thing that you guys saw, guys saw him use but didn't get was his um, bracers of dagger throwing. Essentially, these are bracers that he is able to summon ethereal daggers from, Ooh. and he gets an extra bonus action to use them as ranged weapons mm -hmm. in combat. So he essentially gets That's two... Rad. He gets two yeah. bonus actions with knives that not only does he not have to worry about retrieving, but they disappear immediately after being thrown in made contact so, so the enemies can't, can't use can't them. Have them. That's cool. I was kind of wondering if Vorm was going to investigate those. That would have been perfect for him. Um, his no one of, asked me to cast Identify on anything. I his, did. Did you? Yeah. Oh, well, that was later when you found out, though, I think. Wasn't Basically, it? the way we I, I divvied up, because you guys would not have known what his stuff was. Even when he was using it, you wouldn't necessarily know which items did what. Mm -hmm. And some of the magic items you guys actually nullified through various actions. Like, for the example, feather. he also had a... <coughs> <coughs> he had a feather of terror bird summoning. But after you guys killed his terror bird, it was essentially useless. I summoned bird corpse. <laughs> I decapitated that bird. Um, we just fry it up. We just summon it to fry it. <laughs> Ration. Hey, actually, what uh, what do you call a coward on a merry-go on a merry-go-round? Merry-go-round. What do you call a coward on a merry-go-round? What? A rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Laugh. <laughs> Everybody laugh. I'm, I'm reading some of the stuff from Jarlaxle. Okay? He's too busy being a nerd. To to that was a um, good, clean joke. That was a good family joke. 
tell so, that one at the Thanksgiving dinner. Here's one about sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he also has a cloak of invisibility. Yeah. No one picked. Now. No one picked that up. Um, Doesn't he have a portable he has, for some he has a very unique <laughs> magical item called the Knave's Eye Patch, okay. which this would have been great for Vorn because essentially what it does it is would all been great. They for Vorn. <laughs> well, the Knave's Eye Patch gives you advantage, and this is one of the reasons I had to ask you to read your Light Ray ability for me on your Barbarian list uh, for Terry's character G. My light ray? Yeah, remember you have an outcome where you can like summon a rod from the middle of your chest and you fire beams of light, oh, yeah. radiant energy. Um, because the eye patch gives the wearer advantage on all saving throws that would require them to either become blinded or, you know, th that would affect their vision. And it removes any negative effects that drow or other light sensitive characters would have to sunlight. So, like, Vorn has to wear a cloak everywhere he goes because sunlight gives him disadvantage on everything. But by wearing this eye patch, Jarlaxle can walk around in the daylight like it's nothing. No, just, so it's, it's just like his ring in Vampire Diaries. Well, let's be honest, pretty much. Jarlaxle is what Vorn aspires to be. Kinda. He is very charming rogue. I always prefer mm -hmm. the charming rogues, like the, yeah. like the magic man. He yeah. also has a portable hull, which is like yeah. a... It, it's a... More Me cumbersome too. version <laughs> of a bag of holding, but I think it has a larger carrying capacity well, you than a have bag to, of holding. The, the portable wait, wait, hole, you have called? to like, it's like a tarp, and you have to fold the whole thing out before you can use it. Like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Actually, no, that's, <laughs> that's how it's described in the Monster Manual. It's, is it? It is a Looney Tunes-style hole. <laughs> they don't say Looney Tunes for copyright reasons, but it is a hole that you can pick up and fold like a tarp. Yeah. You can then stick it or unfold it on any surface, floor, ceiling, or wall, and it becomes an open void space. So you can like put bit. a horse in it, whereas a bag of holding, it has to be able to fit through the gap. See, unlike, oh, you can put unlike, a horse in it just yeah. like Queen Elizabeth. Unlike <laughs> certain other characters, Jarlaxle had a way of, like, the bag, his portable hole <laughs> had the ability to remove every single coin from the, the, the Vault of Dragons, oh. and he was just going to walk out with it. Oh that's, oh, that's how he planned on getting it. That's pretty ace. Yeah. yeah, and then, now, you guys did foil his plans. His his foil. gig was up, and you guys oh, got two of his ships impounded. But essentially what he was able to do, and this is how I kind of turned it around, he um, he did have a submarine on the bottom of his ship. You guys determined that. Oh, yeah, that. was that that thing that... The was, Scarlet Marpanoff. Was that the thing that was taken from the House of Inspired Hands? The model was stolen, and then Jarlaxle okay. had a bunch of rock gnomes build him his own live-scale right. yes, version so of it. I got that. The same ones who created that gigantic <laughs> mechanical dragon turtle okay. were the same ones who made the Scarlet Marpanoff for him okay. on the bottom now, of his ship. I would love a mini of that. The dragon turtle? The that mechanical one? The, the clockwork dragon turtle or whatever? That'd be rad. That would be really cool. That'd but so essentially, he had the one ship that he managed to flee Waterdeep in, and he still had the Scarlet Marpanoff underneath of it. Using a series of underwater, tunnel, uh, underwater tunnels, he managed to navigate the Marpanoff into the rough vicinity of where mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the vault would have been. Yeah. And he knew where the vault was, just not from that mm -hmm. entrance. He just didn't have the key to it. Yeah. So even though he's mostly beaten, he still has one ship, one submarine, and a portable hole to haul out treasure. He just has to beat a couple of pesky adventurers who are standing in his Hard way. Hard for you, meddling kids was. and that dog. And a golden dragon. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for Mert and the swashbucklers who backed you guys up. That is true. That is true. Twiddly. 
Had it not been <laughs> Squidward, the real hero of the story. Had it not been for Merton, then we would have like just died. Yeah, we um, would have. We would have been beat down. Mert. And Vervain healing us all the time. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Mert by designated the way, healer. Mert, by the way, is a rather interesting character. For those of you who don't know, Mert and Durnan were actually old time adventuring buddies. Mert himself is that. like two hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Durnan, back when they were novice adventurers, actually went down into Undermountain before they became big adventurers, experienced a whole bunch of horrors down there, but they managed to accrue enough wealth that they were essentially set for life. Something Vane would probably be, probably know since she spent most of her time at the Yawning Portal before she met the party. But Mert has a bunch of equipment as well. He has a set of, uh, bracers of defense, a ring of regeneration... And a bunch of plus one weapons and or swords and daggers. And we got to pick one each. And uh, but but he's actually really a, like one of his abilities is called brute, where if he deals melee damage, he gets to roll an additional die to any successful attack hits. Nice. Um, the uh, I do want to talk about just uh, how. I think this was a really good thing for new players, or even just new to 5e. Uh, we should have played this far before uh, the Sent into of our <laughs> Yes, I think some of our, our current or previous players would have been around a little bit longer, because the thing is, this module is probably the most fair when it comes to new players. Way more balanced than the first five levels of Baldur's Gate. And it's relatively short. It's one to five. And usually getting from one to five is a chore and a bore. And yeah. if here, that was the because whole thing. So much it was really of really fine. So many modules from levels one to three, it's all just tutorial crap. Most people don't like starting over at level one because it's like, okay, this is learning to play the game 101. This is boring. Move on. They did it in Curse of Strahd with the Dead House. Baldur's Gate was terrible because you had challenge ratings for characters who should be like level three or four already going in at level one. Um, yeah, that was people awful. wound up dying before they even reached third level because it was so unbalanced. Let's be honest; it was the same person who died twice. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> but he didn't die; like he died because of other people's choices. He actually died three times because Levistus had to bring him back a second time. I don't even remember. Well, even though Waterdeep was a city where there was trouble in our neighborhood, it was still kind of a nice. Like, city that, like you say, Metropolis, whereas Baldur's Gate is like Gotham City. Like, Oh, yeah, that's a really good comparison. I they think. actually... Yeah, uh, he, one that's of the, his comparison. Well, okay. they don't say that in the book, again, because copyrights, copyright. but when I was figuring out which module to run as, like, the first big pre-written campaign, I know we chose to send it to Avernus, but everyone says or compares Baldur's Gate to Waterdeep is like Gotham City uh, versus Metropolis. Metropolis has its own issues, but Metropolis also has Superman and Supergirl and all these other Kryptonians looking over it. Mm-hmm. Just like in Waterdeep, you've got all these demigods and powerful beings who are genuinely concerned for the people and their well-being, along with a lot of nobles who, with the exception of a few, genuinely want the city to do well. And they're generally Whereas, not like, you poor, I spit on you. They're like, you poor, work for me, and I might pay you minimum wage, but might. <laughs> you're like not going to die or anything. You're going to be able to feed your family. Whereas Baldur's Gate, comparatively, is run by a literal mercenary head. Granted, he's a good and honorable guy, but he's still a mercenary. And his own personal police force 
is only allowed to work in the part of the city that is considered the it's the poor part of town essentially mm-hmm. it's but the people besides him in the government are straight up corrupt nobles mm-hmm. like they they are the Gotham City elite yeah. the court of owls if you will yeah and they keep the city divided between the upper middle and lower class areas for a reason because it's easier for them to maintain easier to keep the poor at bay and so Land even though and so even <laughs> ravenguard the 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 lord of or uh, is he like the Lord Protectorate or the Lord Guard or whatever? The guy who's in charge of Baldur's Gate, he is a, he is kept as far away from his foot soldiers as possible by the other nobles of Baldur's Gate because if he learned half the stuff that's going on behind his back, he would have to string up half the people with all the money in Baldur's Gate. Yeah. It's insane. I, I will say, because like, after playing this, it makes me really want to try playing Myostain again, knowing what I know now about the mechanics. That's because funny. I think he would have been... Because my stand was, he was clunky a little bit. He was my first character. I was trying to do a little bit too much with him. You can reboot him if you want. I, I, would, <laughs> I would love the chance to play my stand again, like knowing like the story beats and, and the... Uh... You'll have to de-level him, of course. I mean, that's... Like level 13. That's fine, but like he wouldn't be a devotion paladin. He'd probably be a redemption paladin. And he would be a bit more... Less gung-ho and maybe a bit more solace and heartfelt than he actually was. Because like... Well, yeah. My stand had my stand had a had a troubled backstory. Like he had a vicious backstory that he was not proud of, and like I don't think I conveyed that very well in his personality. But like after playing Terry, where I didn't know the backstory for half the campaign, that helped me like adapt something new into one something that I already knew how to do. Yeah, not knowing is. Sounded really fun, actually. Which I, I hope you guys appreciate. And if you don't like it, I'll stop doing it. But as your characters develop, I don't I've like come... it. Stop doing it. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Um, no, you're good. Uh, but but I've, I've made, and this isn't even me going out of my way. This is lore and mechanics that already exist in the game already. I'm just applying them to your characters for more flavor, more interaction. Because I was vain. I think you had the least personal interactions as far as your character go just because we made Vane in character prep as to be just kind of this basic intro character and I was I was struggling to really come up with some personal backstory stuff in Waterdeep and I'm like just it's just a rich bard who likes having a good time but now that Storm King's Thunder has happened you've leveled up and now you want to do some like um, multi-classing I have an awesome idea that I hope will turn out well as we go forward with our yeah. latest campaign. And Mira, you had a little bit more to work with, but now I've got something that I think is on par with what Terry's yeah. got going on and what Vane is going to have going mm-hmm. on. Terry's had his character progression. <laughs> Terry's had his character progression. Now all he has to do is just find his dad and have that conversation. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you've got I think it's own... actually pretty cool that you want him to have a natural end I, I mean, because like Terry, I—he's not written by the CW. That's for sure. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't feel. I don't see Terry going off and having it. Like he's found kind of his his new friends in Waterdeep. He's found a place among Force Gray. He wants to find his dad and get closure on that little bit of his life. And I think after that, I'm Terry will enjoy working for the Gray Hands as long as his mechanical body will will. Will stay, and that's where I'll retire. You would have to come visit Mira because she would be devastated. <laughs> you are her little brother. And then, of course, Mira. She's got some 
some stuff going on up in the old noggin. She's mm-hmm. having visions and dreams, both good dreams and nightmares. Yeah, we can um, focus on that in Storm King's Thunder. One thing I really liked about this is how relatively short it was. Would it take us, like, a year? A little over a year? A little over a year. Yeah. Ten that, sessions. Like, honestly, had we just had... A, if we all had just more consistent schedules, it probably would have taken much less than that. I think we were pretty consistent for an adult D&D group, actually, for the yeah. most part of this, to be honest. I know people who haven't played in, like, three months, like, consistently... They only play like one session, three months, one session, three months, and it's just like. I mean, we were going. We, we, we kind of clump ours together. We might not play if it was like the last time we played, but well, never yeah. mind. Anyway. And we had an intentional hiatus between this and Storm King's Thunder. It was longer than intended, hiatus yeah. wise. Yeah. We were kind of like we Jerry all, and. We all had business stuff. I've got some new stuff going on with my job. Yeah, we were going to do Call of Cthulhu, but I work almost every weekend now. <laughs> and I had a lot going on too. Uh, yeah, boring. you had an increased work schedule. Yeah, we had a new Gee, attraction open. You've got some stuff going on. I had I had projects that came up, and I just had to devote a lot of my time to them at that point. But at least all our big things happened at once. <laughs> and now we can come back together and be kissable misters. And hopefully Matt will join us in the next couple upcoming sessions. He's, he's better because he owes me money. He's still, <laughs> from what I've spoken to him, and I, I won't say a lot about it, but he, he's had some new job opportunities come up too. I stuff happening yeah. at home. And I'm not going to criticize anybody for going after Get that coin, a job dude. opportunity. Get that coin yeah. line. We got three we can play. I'm happy for him. Uh, but yeah, I wish actually more adventures were <coughs> short like this or just one to five. Because like this is kind of really the one for five E that's like this. All the others go to like eleven or something crazy. Well, I'll tell you guys right now, this session is definitely going to be longer. <coughs> or this campaign is definitely going to be longer than Waterdeep. Storm yeah. King's Thunder. I'm looking at least two years for us to actually complete. Like, oh, minimum, for well, sure. We yeah. had our first session today, and you guys are only even halfway through what I actually have planned. Wow. Cool. And at some point after Storm King Thunder, I would like to run the the new Dragonlance book setting. Yeah, we had a Dragonlance. And that's just the setting where you write your own story in it? or So it's got, it's, it's a little bit of both. It's got a pre-made story that is 1 to 10, Oh, I didn't know that. However, it's very like the ending of that is very open ended for you to continue writing your own story. Oh, okay. And so first... if we wanted to do a one to twenty, I actually I don't have everything planned out, but I can have a plan to do a one to twenty if we want to. Yeah, we can do we can just plan the one to ten, have a hiatus again and we'll see. How about that? Yeah. But I do want to play it for sure. It's got the kissable dude on I the definitely front. want to participate because I'm pretty much the forever DM, and it's, yeah. it's been a while since I actually get to play regularly. You did that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, it, it feeds my addiction, so. Yeah, the, uh, and how easy was this to run as a DM? I do want that perspective as with, well. With the exception of some of the, like, the bits where I got the growl hunt and the nimble right order of events mixed up, uh, this was incredibly easy to run. Um, easier than uh, Avernus? Definitely easier than Avernus. Because Avernus, it's almost like they expect you to be familiar with how Overland campaigns work. It expects you to be able to understand all of the, the nuance with like the Baldur's Gate setting. Which, by the mm-hmm. way, one of the other D&D YouTubers I'm familiar with, uh, remember the, uh, the, the, the devil-worshipping family in this? In that campaign, mm-hmm. they refer to them as the uh, discount growl huns. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, or goodwill growl huns is what he called them. Goodwill growl. Huns. Goodwill growl. Huns. Um, I like that. They, they were a family that worshipped <laughs> devils, but they were not nearly as interesting, and they were so much more convoluted 
than what Waterdeep wound up pulling off successfully. They started with a V, right? Yes, they did, but who 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 actually remembers? That was years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. It doesn't feel like it was, but it was. It was like four years ago, I think. Nope. Maybe three? That can't be. Right? That can't be. There was a big <laughs> hiatus between Baldur's Gate and Storm King's Thunder. Maybe what maybe not four years. <laughs> maybe two, two and a half, close to three years. Well, because when we were doing... Started Baldur's Gate, you two still were expecting to go off with... Yes. Kabuto so. and... Yeah, huh. Weird. But yeah, so I guess this is just kind of the perfect intro adventure as far as pre-writtens go. Super easy to run, super straightforward story, and like I said, there are a few confusing elements because when you're working with deciding which villain to go through, some of the paths kind of intersect. Uh-huh. But if just go back and reread. When I went back and reread it before each session, uh, with the exception of one or two times, I was able to sort it out real quick. So and gals, this is the best yeah. campaign, too, because there's lots of shops. Yeah, shopping <laughs> and every session. Not enough shopping. hot men though, because our DM. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, not, we, no, <laughs> there's two hot guys in town, and you have one of them. Every time a guy would show up, one of us would go, "Is he hot?" And you'd be like, "No." <laughs> He's a portly, balding old guy. <laughs> He's got a little acorn with dwarfism, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but he's willing to date you, so you can't complain. So shut your whore lizard <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, you said so it, is Chip present? Rolls Nat one. Yes. Yeah. He's the immediate target of the giant <laughs> worm coming down the alleyway. Well, his upper half is. His lower half is already in the gullet. He was a chip in more ways than one. A chip off the old spine. And his brother's name was Doll. So take that with what you will. I I still don't know why I didn't get that to begin with because that's hilarious. I had Doll. Oh, but yeah, th- this was a great, great campaign. And great I'm so glad great for new that you guys enjoyed it. We loved it. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I was actually talking to Kami and Karen, and uh, I was like, you know, remember how we used to make fun of him for wanting to run Waterdeep? It was actually really excellent. I told them that a couple of weeks ago when I crashed at their place after work. I won't ask you how they responded on the podcast, but you definitely tell me afterwards. They were like, we're still never going to play it, but okay. They well, just, I'm not running it again. <laughs> I wouldn't run it again. <laughs> Y'all missed out. But I do like I do like how there's, you know, since all the different seasons, a DM could run it several times and it'd be completely different. I mean, that's always the case with these tabletop RPGs, but extra so with this. Mm-hmm. So uh, an established, more experienced DM could run it for new groups multiple times, and they could run a different main villain each time. And another thing that the book says, and I'll, I'll end on this with the villains, just because you have a season and a villain picked out at the beginning, the book actually encourages you that if your players foil one villain early, or if the story just doesn't work out the way you want it, you can just insert the next villain. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do Castle it's Lanterns in winter. You can do Xanathar during the fall. Fight all four at once. It's like Dungeons and Dragons Mad Libs. Like, you guys came real... Yeah. Like, when you guys... Um, uncovered who Jarlaxle was and you got his ships impounded. Had you guys been any more successful, you would have come this close to having another villain oh. take his place. Ooh. I kind of liked how ours turned out, so I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, so I think we can all agree that this is an excellent module for the new and experienced. Two correct? thumbs up. Yes. Highly yes. recommended. Five stars. Yeah, you can get it pretty easily. Everyone's played it. You can watch a million videos online of stuff that happens in it. 
avoiding spoilers for this one specifically was really hard. For Avernus, it was easy. For Storm King's Thunder, easy. For this, it was really hard avoiding spoilers. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, now you guys get to tell me about your little adventure at the end that I was absent from. Oh yeah, so um, last time some of us got together, we, we tried having our first Storm King's Thunder session. But, but some of us had crippling pain. Some of us didn't feel good. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but, but nobody blames anybody for that. And so, essentially, did. just to kind of play around, one of the things and rewards that you guys got at the end of the last campaign was access to an apparatus of Qual submarine, which the owner gave you guys free reign to use, exploring for little treasures in the Waterdeep Harbor. Didn't have anything planned for a big one-off. I just said, hey, our plans fell through. Do you guys just want to have kind of a little encounter to mess around with some of the uh, mechanics that we never got around to using from our last campaign and so you guys went to uh, the owner of the submarine left you guys instructions for what to do you guys got to learn what all the levers and buttons did inside and I wrote them down so we can remember it if she ever lets us use it again she will. Well, she doesn't need the letters. Yeah, just break into um, she, I have thieves tools now. She still stands by it on her word that you guys can use it. She just wants you guys to be a lot more careful and uh, be careful. But essentially what happens, you get, you guys do find some treasure, an odd coin here or a rare piece of metal there. But you guys get attacked by Murrow, which are a very aggressive branch of what are essentially merfolk. Yeah. Um, they attack your sub... You manage to kill one of them before you make it back to the safety of uh, Grinda's workshop, the owner of the sub. It's a good thing um, I had my ring of warmth that I got out of the urn in the in the tomb or whatever, the vault, because I, there was water coming in and it would have freezing my feet. Yeah, they just would have drowned you then. Kind of eats. Ha, you silly merfolk, you can't kill me with the cold. I'm immune. It's okay, we'll just hold you under the ice. <laughs> I had a potion of, potion of water breathing, so technically they would have had to stab me to death. Because I would have wait. been a, <laughs> or just <laughs> hold me under the water. That's fine. They could still be Whatever. Yeah. Um, potion but, of water. But breathing. yeah, you guys uh, got back with some risk, but still safe and intact. Grinda was a little upset that um, you guys damaged she was her a sub, lot upset. but she did give you some insight that what was going on during the winter at Waterdeep was going to play into the new story of Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. Like she even to she even told out. you that this winter was particularly cold, the ice in the harbor was thicker than usual, the wind, weather, rain, and even some minor earthquakes were mm -hmm. abnormal. Yeah. And that something something big was going on outside Waterdeep walls. As you guys will see in or hear about in the next podcast. And I think the next one's actually going to be G's campaign, and then maybe it'll be after that. Or yeah. one of the future podcasts. A cast. Stay in the tuned. But yeah, that's it. Oh, this has been a long one, feature length. Uh, so that's it, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in. You can, of course, check out Patreon, you know, Twitter, all that junk, all that jazz. We got a lot going on. G's ready to go, I can tell. Merry <laughs> Christmas. It's too long. But yeah, that's it. Thank you all once again, and I'll see you all, you guessed it, next time. Bye for now.